0: we're actually saying, no, come along with me. I'm going to bring you along to church. And so just a wonderful uh, start to the series. But we can plan, and so much planning has gone into this, and we, we acknowledge those that have done planning and organization. We can invite, and we can even bring people, but we also need to pray. And prayer is such an important thread In in, in this season, as we look to make a difference, as we look to make this Christmas season count, you know, it should be a a natural reaction for us. If we love Jesus, prayer should be a natural reaction. James 5 says, if you're in trouble, pray. Uh, If you're having a good time, if if you've got songs of praise to sing, sing songs of praise. If you're sick... Uh, come come, and, and, and the leaders or the elders of the church would pray upon you and, and the sick will be healed. So whatever the season that we're going through, seasons of joy, seasons of difficulty, our first reaction should be to pray. And so um, I would encourage you as much as possible. I know, uh, listen to the podcast, but also we make this resource available to you. Pray First book. So grab one of these on your way out if you've not already got one. Because there's just some Absolutely wonderful uh, teaching in there into the topic of prayer. And um, it's, it's not something we can discuss in 25 minutes on a Sunday evening or half an hour, however long it is, or 45 minutes or 60 <laughs> minutes or however long I go. But um, there's some good teaching in here and I'd encourage you um, to just pick that up as well. But this evening I wanted to look at um, a section of Scripture um, in Acts chapter 12. Uh, and it's going to come up on the screen and, and really, um, not exhaustively, but just from this passage of Scripture, take a, a few little bits and pieces that we can apply to our situation as we look to pray and really make a difference. So we're looking at Acts chapter 12, it's, a, it's um, early on uh, in the church's history, where are um, still very young church, mostly in Jerusalem, and uh, and, and at this time, they're undergoing a lot of persecution. So lots of hard things happening. And we'll pick it up in, in verse 1. And it says this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw this, that this met with the approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing over him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's a lot of soldiers. Later on when we read it, it tells him he was, he was chained to two soldiers, well, one, one chained on each side, and there were two more at the door. And they were obviously rotating and, and keeping close guard on him. I'm picking up again, it says Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So his intention was just to let the Jewish holiday pass through, and then after the Passover, bring him for trial. Now, let me say at this point, um, when we say trial, really a mock trial. Um, it wasn't a case of he had a, a defense team where he was going to stand up and it was going to be all fair. It was really just a mock trial to, with the purposes of putting him to death. And then verse 5 says this, So Peter was kept in prison. And then look at these words, But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And it's really just that verse 5 that I want to look at in in a little bit more detail tonight and a few other thoughts surrounding it. But I suppose for us in Mansfield, at the tail end of 2016, we can very easily think, well... This is not really a section of Scripture we can relate a lot to, can we? Because really, there's not too much chance of of me getting arrested for preaching here today. Um, I hope not. And we we, we can maybe think, well, this isn't that relevant. I mean, it would be really far-fetched to imagine that, um, you know, Paul had been killed for his faith and and Christian was arrested and it was was in the process of, of getting killed. If that was the case we would be fervently praying, wouldn't we? Sure. I'm sure this church's reaction would be the same. But it's almost like, often can seem really far-fetched, can't it? I mean, there are no lives on the line in Mansfield today, are there? No lives on the line, in that sense of the word. But let me tell you, there there are lives on the line too, in another sense. That today, in 2016, in Mansfield, there are lives on the line. You see, my job, Monday to Friday, I'm a mortgage advisor, and I speak to people week in, week out. And one of the parts of my job is to say, Have you thought what is going to happen? I just ask an open question What would happen if you died? What would happen if your loved ones died? What would happen? And it's hard when you first ask that question as a mortgage advisor. It's an uncomfortable question to ask. But I've got so used to it, and it's such an important part of my job to make people think, well, what impact will it have on your mortgage that I can bring it into this context, and I can say the same question to you. What, what would happen? There are. Let me tell you, there are lives on the line. There's no guarantees that we'll, no matter how young and strong and fit you are, there's no guarantees that this isn't the last week. There's no guarantees that our loved ones are going to last this week either. Lives are on the line. I don't want to scare you today, but it's the reality of life. I shared with some guys last night, one of our closest friends up in Scotland, one of My elders in the church up in Scotland um, just passed away this week. We're going up to Scotland on Thursday for a funeral. Such a close friend of ours, diagnosed a year ago with, with brain cancer. Fit man, and we're going up for the funeral on Thursday. Now, it's a joyful thing because he's a wonderful man of God. We know exactly where he is. We know he's in heaven. But let me tell you, there are lives on the line. Nobody's going to lose their life because they're a Christian or get beheaded or get thrown in jail or killed with a sword. But there are lives on the line. And so there is an urgency in our prayer. And although we may look at the situation and we think it's, how can we really make a difference in the town of Mansfield? It's 100,000 people and the outlying areas that we can also say, but, but. Even though the situation seems overwhelming, we can say, but, prayer can make a difference. I know that we've got loved ones and friends and family that are, are close to our heart, who maybe aren't following Jesus, and, and it may seem impossible, but with prayer, there can be a difference your work situation, maybe you be in a work situation, maybe you're in a financial situation that's overwhelming, but I want to tell you today, but with prayer, there can be a difference. I won't stretch it as far as your football team, if you're a Man United fan, that's just one step too far. Because that's not in God's will to turn those fortunes around. Hear it from the front. <laughs> Whatever the circumstances, with prayer, there is a difference. And so I just wanted to really bring three quick strands out of this section. And and please hear my heart again. This is not exhaustive on the topic of prayer. There's so much we can say. But just three things that we can pick up from the the early church in Acts chapter 12. The first thing I want to say is that the church prayed together. We say, we use this terminology uh, in church corporately. But really all it means is we're praying together. It says that the church, not certain individuals, the whole church gathered together. And obviously we know from previous sections of Acts that there were several thousand in the church at this time. Perhaps not meeting all together all at once, but certainly meeting in house groups. And and some would say, the, the scholars would say groups of up to 50 or 60, sometimes in big houses. And they were gathering together to pray. They were obviously saw the importance of praying together as a group. Maybe you say, well, I'm more of an individual kind of solo. I, I prefer to pray solo, and, and that's great. And God obviously speaks clearly in the Word of God into the importance of a, a personal prayer life. Not, you know praying out and only in praying in public to to draw attention to ourselves, but going into the prayer closet, having that time alone with God. But equally so, it's important to gather together. To gather together and pray together. There's power. Paul said it this morning, where two or three gather, there God is too. And so when we come in and we pray and we're in agreement, then there's power in the corporate prayer. And Practically, there's opportunities within arena to put that into practice. We touched on the fact that we've got first Tuesdays coming up, half six, Tuesday the 6th of December, morning prayer. I'd encourage you guys to come along, join together, pray together. We've got 21 days of fasting coming at the beginning of January where we encourage as many of you as possible to get involved, to, to commit to prayer and fasting. Why? Because we see it as important. Because we see the gathering together, the corporate prayer as so important, as it was modeled out in, in Acts chapter 12. You know, we, um, I can think back 10 years ago now in, in our church and in, in, in where we came from in, in Scotland, and four of us, we, we never had morning prayer and I remember uh, four of my friends, Paul, well me included Paul, Duncan, Kudzai and myself and I remember initiated by my good friend Paul who's a pastor himself and we just started to pray on a Wednesday morning and let me tell you it was hard at first but the momentum that built from that the regular weekly Wednesday morning prayer and as other people gathered and, and we saw a culture of prayer develop in that church in ways that would just blew us away. Blew us away. It's about starting deliberately and creating a culture of prayer. And let me tell you, we did so many things wrong when I look down the, the 10 years, mistakes made, and, and things that we wish we could have changed. But what we can say is that we saw those prayers answered. We saw the power of God protection on our church because of the prayers and the culture of prayer in the place, can I make a commitment to you guys that if you come along on a Tuesday morning in Mansfield on the first Tuesday um, of December, can I make a commitment to you that we're not going to we 're not going to be weird? Can I just say it like that we 're not going to be weird we're not going to have you ever been in those prayer meetings where we sit around in a circle and it 's like you're praying in a circle, it comes to your turn, and somebody taps you on the shoulder, and it's your turn, and it's like all this pressure. Oh, I have to pray. You know what? Christian said it so well the other day in another, in another context, but we want you to come along and be yourself. If you want to come along on a Tuesday morning and, and not say a word out loud, that's okay. We just want to have you there quietly praying in your spirit. That's okay. We're not going to put pressure on you to pray out. But let me tell you, Paul said it, when you make that commitment to come out on a 6.30 on a Tuesday morning, it will impact your day, your week, and further on. So we want to encourage you to just be yourself, to engage whichever way you want to with God. But what you need to do is engage. And so we're not going to make it weird. We're just going to come together and have a, a time of worship, a time of prayer, and just enjoy the presence of God, and He's going to come, and he's going to show up too, because we want to be committed to corporate prayer. But here's the other thing, is, I say that you don't have to there's no pressure for you to pray out loud, but equally so, when the Holy Spirit prompts you then I want you to speak out because you have a valuable and you have an important part to play in the prayer too. You know, I was, I was reflecting back on, on one of the first experiences I had in a prayer meeting and I, I met one of my dad's friends who was pastor of the church at the time. Many years later, probably just five or ten years ago, after I was married, um, we, we met up with him again and he, he reminded me of something that I'd forgotten. I was six or seven years old. And my dad brought me along to a prayer meeting. It was a, 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 a pastor's and elders prayer meeting at the time. And my dad brought me along and just a six or seven year old boy. And I, I was sitting there and, you know, more than anything, I think my dad was just hoping that I would keep quiet. Uh, and to be fair, I was quite a shy boy. So it was probably more, more than likely. But... He reminded me several years later that, you know, in the midst of that prayer meeting, I actually, as a six or seven-year-old boy, I just spoke out and prayed. Prompted by the Spirit. And that's, that's no credit to myself because of anything. But here's the thing. Whether you're a child, whether you—whoever whoever you are, you can make a contribution. When the Spirit of God prompts you, I want you to, 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 to say what He's prompting you to say. I want you to contribute. I want you to pray out. But there's no pressure from me. It's as the Spirit of God prompts you and leads. So first of all, um, let's pray corporately. That's what we can gather out of, out of this section of Scripture. But secondly, um, pray specifically or pray with focus. And for them it was easy in this section of Acts because really their focus was Peter, wasn't it? He was, he was in jail and the, 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 the feast season or the holiday season would only go a certain amount of days so really for them, they were focused. They were praying specifically for Peter. And they were praying into it. And, and I'm sure, as I alluded to earlier, if Christian was in jail, 95% of you would be praying too. <laughs> Maybe the 5% would be, would be saying, he deserved it anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get in trouble for that. It's the Man United fans, that, that little small minority, know. Um, so, I've lost my train of thought here. The important thing is focus. It's about praying. It's about having that focus. We, we spoke this morning about Hannah. Hannah's focus was she wanted a child. She didn't have a child, but she was focused on that, praying out and pouring out her heart to God because she wanted a child. Can I encourage you that... It's not necessarily every time that you come to pray that you have to go through the countries of the world alphabetically and pray for the church in and, and all of those countries. If that's what God has laid on your heart, please do it. But that's not what we need to do. Sometimes there's just things on our heart that is our focus. And that's okay to come and just and plead out to God and say, God, this is what's on my heart. Lord, I want to focus on to that. But sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we're really just scattergun in our approach to prayer, that we never really have a focus in our prayer life. Other words that we could put in there: there's a discipline, there's a strategy, prayer targets. These are things that we should have when we're focused in our prayer. And I was reading through the the, the pray first book, and there's a wonderful section. Can I just draw your attention to if you if you? Grab one of these at the end. Towards the end, uh, page 24, and it's got personal prayer targets. I love that. That speaks right into the point of focus, doesn't it? Because if you're targeting something, you're focusing on it. There's things in there, my government, there's suggestions, my government, my family, my church, my life. Turn the page those I influence, close friends, those who need God. Can we be focused in our prayer? Because when we read through the Bible, focused prayers are often prayers that get great results. When we focus in on what we're praying for. Josh spoke so well, as I said already, last week, and he asked you if you were here to fill out a card with three names on the card. Three names of people close to you that you believe in you're going to invite to church, that you're going to believe are going to, their lives are going to change over this season. Can I say that's the first place to, to, to start focusing your prayer? Those three names that are on your list, focusing your prayer on those three names. But the other thing was that they prayed earnestly says there, they prayed earnestly. Maybe your version says they prayed fervently. It's interesting that, that, that the root word um, actually shows up two other times in the New Testament in the context of loving each other, love each other fervently, love each other earnestly. Um, but also when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane shortly before his, his death, um, he prayed earnestly in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, earnestly or or fervently or whatever your, your translation says, it's not about the louder you shout. That's not what earnestly is. It's not about the amount of Scripture you quote in your prayers or how profound you are. It's not about, you know, having a an introduction, a main body and a conclusion to your prayer and, and, and then having a bibliography of quotes of where you've got your thoughts from. It's not about being profound, it's been about passionate. It's about praying from the heart, not out of ritual. And this is really where the, the, the Spirit of God comes in and takes charge. This is where we we can't muster that up on our own, can we? This is where we rely on the Spirit of God to come in. As we yield ourselves to the Spirit, He comes and He empowers us and He, he allows us. He, 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 he brings that fervency, shall we say, that earnest prayer uh, out of us. It, it brings us life, abundant life. He comes to energize us, to empower us, to, 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 to fervent and earnest prayer. I love the word fervent because it's since I learned to speak Portuguese. It's very similar to the word ferver for boil in Portuguese. And so I love, it's taken on a new meaning when you, when you read the root meaning of it. It's like boiling. In other words, can we get the picture of a boiling pot, a, a prayer life that's really happening, that's really hot, because, because something is happening there. A prayer life at boiling point. But God draws the, the fervent and the earnest prayers. There's a wonderful um, story in Second in, in Kings, which I'll, I'll just share with you really quickly. Um, it's it's uh, chapter 20. It's not going to come up on the screen. But it's about the story of a king, Hezekiah. And uh, it says this. It says, About that time, it's Second Kings chapter 20, 1 through 6, if you're taking notes. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. And he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. That's pretty final, isn't it? That's what the Lord says. Look at his response. He says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. For those of you that don't know, Hezekiah was one of the good kings. He was really a a very godly king. And this is what he said, Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. That's earnest prayer, isn't it? And look at the response. Verse 4, But before Isaiah had left the middle court, obviously of the king's uh, residence, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. I will heal you. Three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. You know what? I absolutely love that story because God declares you're going to die you will not recover but it's such a beautiful picture of the heart of God as he earnestly prays as he weeps and says God have mercy on me God says you know what I'm going to give you 15 more years. I'm going to heal you because I'm a God of compassion. And do you believe that earnest prayer moves the heart of God? That's what I get from that scripture. Earnest earnest prayer, even though God may have declared it, He's a God of of love and mercy. And He'll say, you know what, I'll give you another 15 years because I see the the earnestness in your prayer. It looked pretty final, but Hezekiah prayed earnestly and things changed. And as we, as we come to, to the end of, of, of this section um, in, in Acts 12, as we jump back to Acts 12, um, we're just going to quickly read verses 6 through 10 and, and look at the end of the story uh, the church in Acts. Verse 6, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, one on each side and the sentries were at the doors keeping guard at the entrance and suddenly an angel of the lord appeared and a light shone in the cell he struck peter on the side and woke him up quick get up he said and the chains fell off peter's wrists then the angel said to him put on your clothes and sandals and peter did so wrap your cloak around you and follow me the angel told him peter followed him out of prison but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. It's like he'd just woken up from sleep. He was probably thinking this must be a dream or obviously a deep sleep that he was in. And so they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Amazing answer to prayer. Fervent prayer. As the church gathers together, fervently prays for specific and focused targets. Wonderful answer to prayer. Can I believe today, I believe that in some ways that section of Scripture, those images that we see, can be symbolic of things that I'm believing to happen in Mansfield. And in Ilkeston and across Arena as a whole as well. But those symbols will will, will be in some way prophetic for things that are going to happen as we pray, that chains are going to be broken, that people are in bondage, that feel like they're in prison and just can't move, that God can set you free. That people are going to get woken up too. You know, there's people that are going through life that are sleeping and, and have never discovered their true purpose, their living life, but, but really never woken up to the full call and the full purposes of God on, his life, on their lives. I'm believing that there will be people woken up to everything that God has got planned for you. But equally so, that there's going to be doors that are going to open. Supernatural doors that are going to open. In our lives, in the church, and in, in in your lives as well, not due to a crowbar being taken to the door, but just popping open, supernaturally, as prayer is given up to God. You know, Christian mentioned it this morning, and 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 it's my intention to to mention it as well, but. This can all sound very triumphalistic. It can all sound very positive and say, well, yes, God does answer prayers, but there's people here that have had unanswered prayers too. Myself included. Unanswered prayers. Can I just encourage you from this section in, in Acts 12? James got killed by the sword. Peter survived and got out of jail. We don't read about James being risen from the dead again and going on and ministering. James died. And and let's not kid ourselves. The church was praying for him too. So sometimes prayers don't get answered. But what I love is the attitude of the church. Clearly they've just lost one of their, their best, you know, wonderful friends and leaders, James. But that doesn't change their approach to prayer. They're still fervent in their prayer. They're still gathering together, calling out to God throughout the day at all times of the night. And they're calling out because they still believe God can change. He can release Peter from those chains. He can bring Peter out. And and let me tell you today, even if your prayers have gone unanswered at some point, it's not because God couldn't answer the prayer. It's not because He couldn't be bothered to answer the prayer. Sometimes God's will is higher than our will. We don't understand everything, but let me tell you, God is still on His throne and He still answers prayers. And so as the band comes up, we just bring this to a conclusion at the end. I want to encourage uh, every one of you. I want to see a response from the church that we're going to say, we're going to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We're gonna keep gathering together in prayer. We're gonna continue to pray earnestly and fervently, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're also gonna be focused in our prayers, purposed in our prayers, praying into to to, to specific things, prayer targets for each one of us. And I honestly believe that um, that we've only just scratched the surface of, of what God wants to do in this town of Mansfield. You know, we, Alini and I moved here with a call from God, believing that there was a purpose for us and a part for us to play. Let me, let me use that word, part. We're only one part. There's many other parts sitting out here. But such an important thread of what we do is prayer. And I'm praying that this season, 2016, what's left of it, and into 2017, is going to be a wonderful, wonderful season of just praying, of just drawing into God and God drawing into us, and we're going to see amazing things happen. If I can ask you just to, to bow your heads a time for us to just focus in on to not the person next to you, not the person in front of you, but just into to your heart and just what God has spoken to you tonight. You know, I, I just feel that um, I need to challenge people here to, to have a renewed commitment to prayer and a renewed commitment to praying individually, but a renewed commitment to praying together corporately as well. I know it happens already, but I'd like to see a renewed commitment into praying forwardly. despite the disappointments, despite the unanswered prayers. We doesn't change our God who's in heaven. And so I wonder if 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 anyone's bold enough, and these heads are all bowed, just as a. More for God than anything, if god 's spoken to you so strongly today and you, you just want to make a renewed commitment to prayer, and can you just raise your hand and i 'd just like to pray for you, thank you for those hands that have been.